What I hope we are able to do in the coming weeks is explore together, um, using Scripture as a guide for us, um, if there's an area in our life where a lid needs to be taken off so that something new can happen, so that growth can take place. Um, To date, um, and perhaps you would resonate this way, maybe maybe you wouldn't resonate with me this morning, but... I have not once felt God had smacked me upside the head. <laughs> this is what I mean by that. When I reflect back, I've, I've been walking with the Lord since the summer of 2005, personally. And as I reflect back on my journey with him so far, and I look back on areas of growth, it wasn't this, boy, you're an idiot. It was a gentle, gracious whisper. It was, have you considered this? Maybe there's something new for you. Maybe there's something more for you if you would just consider this or, or take this step rather than that one or start doing this or stop doing that. Um, I hope that we can have those aha moments over the coming weeks. Um, so that's just a bit of a setup and a, a little bit of framework for this series. Um, Today's story is coming from the Gospel of John. Um, There are four Gospel accounts that begin the New Testament, which is kind of the second half of our Bibles. Um, Gospel of John, we're going to be in chapter 3. If you have your own Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. There's Bibles on your tables as well. That's going to be on page 1,650, um, if you're going to be following along with, with those particular Bibles. Um, We're going to be looking at a guy named Nicodemus. This is someone that uh, we find asking Jesus questions, and this is all too common during Jesus' ministry for people to approach him with a question. And so if I could read verses 1 through 9 of of John chapter 3, and this is going to hopefully set up our conversation for today. Uh, Starting at verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with them. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus replies, how can someone be born when they are old? I love that question. I absolutely love it. He goes on to say, surely they cannot enter the womb a second time um, and be born. Verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I I think we should really zone in on what Jesus is saying there. You shouldn't be surprised by this. I just think that's profound how he puts that. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
I love verse 9. We'll end with this. Nicodemus asks, how can this be? I love that question. So using these verses, this, this small passage, what I would like for us to do today is to not look at the content, although there are very important and, and beneficial and meaningful things that are being said by Jesus in verses 5 through 8. What I would like to look at, however, is the character of Nicodemus. This morning we're going to call him Nicodemus the Questioner. Um, the one who is inquiring of. And I want to pull out a few details of this story and apply it to some of the concepts we're looking at during this series that we're calling Take the Lid Off. Um, first of all, we learn that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. We, we read this in that first verse. This is what, of course, is being said there if, if you're not familiar with that term. A Pharisee is someone who is a part of a relatively small group of people during the time of, of Jesus' ministry. It was this, um, relative, like I, and I'm saying relatively, meaning, and these, these are just numbers just to paint a picture, if there's a million people in the town, there's about 5,000 Pharisees. So small, tiny, just a small group of people that committed to following every intricate, exact detail of the Jewish law that came from Moses and was developed over time. We also learn that Nicodemus is a part of the Jewish ruling council. You might be familiar with the word Sanhedrin. We hear the word Sanhedrin come up when Jesus is arrested um, towards the end of his, of his ministry. This is essentially the Supreme Court of the Jews. The Sanhedrin was a ruling council made up of 70 people, and they decided conflicts, disagreements about the law for every single Jew on the planet. It didn't, there wasn't one Supreme Court for one town. This was a global thing, of course, in, in this time. So not only was Nicodemus someone who was committed to what he believed, keeping every possible detail of the law. He was also, in addition to that, given a position of authority to where his opinion was so well-valued that he was one-seventieth of a decision-maker for an entire population of people. And I want us to focus in on the fact that it is profound for someone like that to want to even talk to Jesus. It is profound for someone who has taken a commitment themselves, but then has also been affirmed by a larger body of people to pretty much say, Nicodemus, you have got it going on, man. You are following this law. You're doing it well. We want you to be not only a Pharisee, part of this group, but we want you to be on the Sanhedrin council as well. Why on earth would someone who is being so much affirmed in everything that they could do have any compulsion to want to talk to Jesus? I want you to see that this morning. I want you to see a person named Nicodemus who had every reason to be convinced that he had everything going on. 
has the inclination to talk to this Jesus guy, this Messiah. Next detail I'd like to pull out, this is my personal favorite one, is the fact that this is happening at night. This is important, I believe. We have Nicodemus, we know who he is, we know the authority and power that he has. For some reason, he wants to ask Jesus some questions, but it's at night. We can conclude two things, and I think we can hold them up together, is that perhaps Nicodemus did not want to be seen by his contemporaries. <laughs> he might not have want to be seen by the other Pharisees or the other people a part of the Sanhedrin having any kind of a dialogue with with Jesus, it was a perspective of the Pharisee, as we read more into the story of Jesus, this would be the group of people that was solely focused on not learning more from Jesus, but framing Jesus to get him out, to, to remove him. So he would perhaps not want to be seen by those people, and so he meets with Jesus at night. Nicodemus knows something and well, and this is the second thing that I want us to see about what's going on, the fact that it's at night, Nicodemus knew and, and everyone knew that rabbis felt that it was best to study at night so that you'd be uninterrupted, um, that you would be able to have some time to yourself. So Nicodemus knows that there is a window of opportunity in the daily life of Jesus where he could get Jesus alone because he didn't want to be seen, perhaps, and because he knew that Jesus was himself in a frame, in a posture, to where he would have some dialogue. Uh, perhaps Jesus was studying this night, and he would have welcomed this dialogue, I'm sure. This whole set of circumstances, I just want to pose a question to us. This is something that, that let, you know, let it stir around in your mind as we continue to, to talk, but let this walk with you this week, is how often, and this is an I question, how often do I take an intentional step to inquire about something? Um, it's a question I, I've been asking myself, I continue to ask myself, how often do I take an intentional step to inquire about something, something new, uh, something that you hear other people talking about, but you don't know what they're talking about, so you want to learn more? How often do we do that? We see Nicodemus doing this in the story. The next part I want to talk about is the dialogue. So we have Nicodemus, our character. We have the fact that this is happening at night. There's a particular dialogue, specifically the author of the Gospel of John, um, structures conversations between Jesus and other people in a specific way. It generally goes something like this. Someone presents a question, we see Nicodemus do this in verse 2. Jesus gives a saying that is difficult to understand. <laughs> Jesus does this. We see him do it a lot in John because this is how the author structures these conversations. The person who asked the initial question misunderstands the saying completely. Um, this is where Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they're old, right? Um, Nicodemus is coming at this from a different perspective. He misunderstands what Jesus is saying. The next step, generally, is that Jesus presents an even more difficult to understand saying, <laughs> which Jesus does in verse 5. And then there is a discourse and there is an explanation from Jesus about what he actually means. 
I like looking at it from all angles. If, if you've been in and out of Reachway enough, we look at all of the angles. We're doing that in a real big way this morning. So we also look at the authorship. Uh, the person who wrote the Gospel of John did it on purpose. And if we were to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, these, uh, these accounts of Jesus' life, you would see themes in some that you wouldn't see in others. And, you know, a lot of times we ask, why do we need four times over the relatively same stories about the same person? I think if we look at these gospel accounts with enough detail, and it's just like turning the diamond, right? If you shine light at a diamond, just turn it, it's going to bounce off in different ways. So we don't throw this out, we just turn it a little bit, and we look at the authorship of the Gospel of John. I think what he wants us to see is the importance of asking questions and the process of thinking things out through dialogue. Now, I find myself a lot, um, and, and you might as well, uh, perhaps you sit down with the scriptures, perhaps you sit down with another book that you read, and you are sitting there and you're alone and you're reading it, and that's a very good thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing, it's a helpful thing for us. A really valuable step two to that is even talking to one other person about that passage that you read. Just one other person. Have a dialogue about it. If there's something that, that you're reading and maybe it's confusing you a little or you want to get someone else's perspective on it, you go find someone and ask them. Um, I think John wants us to see there's a level of learning that just takes things to the next um, just the next layer if we ask questions. This is why uh, generally our, our education system is built around questions being asked and answered. Um, you know, one plus one, two, right? Um, this, this is how we learn. This is how we've all learned. Um, when, we, when we shepherd a, a child, we ask, you know, what color is this or what noise does a cow make, right? It's, it's, it's these questions that we ask because if we can ask a question, if there can be an answer, we know that there's actual mental thought that's taking place. And if there's thought taking place, then surely something is going to be retained. And I think John wants us to see this. Just the act, and, and let's not miss this. We know who Nicodemus is already. Just the simple act of Nicodemus and who he is asking a question means that he is putting on the line his predispositions and everything that his life up until this point has been staked on. He is laying it all on the line because there is something about something that Jesus did that Nicodemus either saw himself or he heard that Jesus did that made him want to meet up with Jesus at night and ask questions. He is laying it down. He's laying it all down. And it's not in vain. The fourth and final thing that I want to pull out from the story of Nicodemus is the next time we see Nicodemus pop up in the Gospels. Nicodemus is there in John chapter 19, towards the end. And in fact, it is Nicodemus, I'm turning there myself, who is there with a guy called Joseph of Arimathea, at the scene of the burial of a recently crucified Jesus. 
we see the Pharisee, we see the member of the Sanhedrin who puts himself into a very, very vulnerable position to even ask Jesus a question. And between chapters 3 and 19, some kind of transformation takes place in Nicodemus's life to where he becomes one of two people who are concerned about the dead body of Jesus. And I do not want us to miss this for one moment, that every single disciple that Jesus walked with, every single person that he healed, every single person he came into contact with, was so discouraged by his death that they were not to be found when he came out and off of that cross. But it took two people who were not so much discouraged that he was dead, but they were encouraged by the fact that that guy just might raise from the dead. And you can't raise from the dead unless you're buried. So I'm wondering if there was some part of Joseph of Arimathea, there was some part of Nicodemus that said, we really believe that this dude is going to defeat death, but in order, to, in order for him to walk out of a tomb, he needs to get in a tomb. So let's step out on faith, let's do the weirdest thing that we ever thought we would ever have to do, and let's bury this dude so that he can defeat death and jump out the grave. It's the same kind of thought when we consider who was first at the, maid, the manger scene of the newborn Jesus. Three pagan star-following magicians. I know you might have heard them called wise men before or kings. They had a little bit of authority in their hometown, but they were astrologists. And they were polytheistic, and it was the stars that governed their lives. And yet, something that they read about in a prophetic letter was happening in the sky. And it wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't the scribes. It wasn't the studiers of the word that were there for the newborn king. It was these guys who thought, this just might be true. There's only one way to find out. I would encourage you to, to sit with the idea of Nicodemus this week. Just, just rest with this idea that we have someone who is convinced that they had it all going on, who got vulnerable. Believe me, it's, it takes a lot of guts to ask a question because as soon as you ask a question, you open yourself up to potentially learning that you have not had a full, I'm not even going to say that we were wrong, but just not a full picture of something. The longer we are locked into our opinions, our dispositions, we're just not creating a lot of room for God to show us something else. It's not throwing out the diamond. It's just turning it. What else can I learn? What else is there for me to learn out there? Commentator William Barclay, I mention him from time to time. Um, he says that during this evening conversation with Jesus, listen to this. Nicodemus is up against the eternal problem, the problem of someone who wants to be changed and who cannot change himself. That's the tension of this story. 
that we have someone in Nicodemus who desperately wants to see something change. But what he is realizing at the same exact time is that he can't do the change. Let's, let's see for a moment that the act of Nicodemus getting vulnerable, finding Jesus, asking a question, is the lid coming off. That's the moment. He asks a question, and the lid comes off, and as soon as it's able to come off, there is a space that is provided by Christ to meet him with something completely different and, and to meet him with something new. And it was so new and it was so fresh and it was so compelling that when he saw Jesus on the cross, he got probably discouraged, but he also knew what he had been studying as a, as a, as a, as a leader, as a Jewish leader. And he thought, man, I think it's happening. I think he's the Messiah. And what I know to be true about the Messiah is that it's going to be the one who defeats death. So I'm going to be sure that I'm around when that body is given over to the people. I want to be there to be sure that it is, it is buried properly. Because I just think that that's the guy who's going to raise from the dead. It's a wild, wild transformation. And he makes the decision to take the lid off of what we could call our predispositions. I, I, I had a conversation with, with one of Reachway's members this morning, and, and we were talking about uh, just this idea of bias and, and how, you know, we all think things, and I, I think often we have no idea why we think those things. And we, we, we haven't done the hard work of asking, well, why do I think this way about that person? Or, or why do I think this way about this grouping of people? Or why do I think this way about just fill in the blank? I, I think what we would find is um, we think the way we think because it's easiest to think that way because that's how I've thought for the longest time. Make no mistake about it, Nicodemus is not a student in this story. He's not He's not someone who's in a position in life to learn. This is someone who has found his career. He's been voted to the Supreme Court of the Jews. That's kind of the top. And in that position, takes the lid off of his predispositions, asks a question, and his life is completely transformed. And it's part of that transformation that allows the resurrection to take place. There was something about Nicodemus taking the lid off of his, of his mind, right? Like, that's what we're talking about. Like, like, his mind and his logic and his reasoning that transformed him to follow Jesus to the grave. And I'm wondering what kind of a transformation would need to take place in my life, in your life, in the life of this church, to where we would be so transformed to the point where we would just be so willing to follow Jesus anywhere. I'm wondering what kind of transformation it would take, what it would look like, what area in our lives, if whether it's a specific thing or just an overall thing, I just need to get the lid off of my brain. I have just been, been stuck on the same skipping record for too long. I'm ready for something new. 
And if that's you this morning, we're, we are going to respond in a moment by, by coming around the table together. But before that, I just want to give this invitation to anyone who would accept it. I want to give this caveat. Um, if there's a particular subject or a particular perspective that you want to learn more about, um, please do not hesitate to ask me. Um, I'd, I'll give you my email, my phone number. We can connect throughout the week. I can give you a book to borrow, or I can invite you to um, a couple of different meetings that, that Ty and I attend, just connecting with other clergy in, in the Peoria area, learning about different perspectives that are different from ours. Because I just simply do not think we grow if we're not asking questions and getting answers to those questions. I, I just don't, that, that's, how, that's how our kids grow. That's how we all grew as, as people. It doesn't stop when you graduate. Um, so, so let's continue to learn. Let's continue to turn that diamond about just about who God is and, and, and things like that. So if there's something you want to learn more about, do not, please do not hesitate. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more often than not, I can tell you what I think about that, but I don't have answers, you know. I, I know what other people think about stuff. And then I'm just working this out. I'm just working this out. So don't, don't come to me looking for an answer. I'm not Jesus, right? I, I, can, I have a pretty good idea of what Jesus said, and I'm, I'm pretty close to the scriptures, and, and I read books by PhDs and doctors and other pastors, and I talk to smarter people than me, and I can help where I can, right? Um, so don't, don't hesitate. Please don't hesitate. It might be uh, one of the best things you've done is to ask a question about something.